so the, the last time I was uh, I was up here, um, uh, we we sort of talked about the the near sacrifice of Isaac by his father Abraham, uh, and I did say that um, I wanted to talk a little bit more about what sacrifice means. Uh, so if we could, no Sunday school starting <laughs> now. Anybody for Sunday school? There we are. Um, so um, now s- sacrifice is giving up something that is of value uh, and I guess in this day and age um, it's probably not a very uh, popular concept um, because you know the, the, the world would say that actually you know we are we are entitled to be comfortable where where you know, we can have anything that we want uh, and we can have it instantly uh, you, can, you, know, you can have your takeaway delivered um, you know, fairly quickly. And maybe actually in the church as well, uh, we can get into this um, idea that because Jesus has done it all, that there's actually not very much for us to do now. And maybe that sort of brings us into thinking that all of the, the rules and regulations that we come across about sacrifice they're not relevant to us anymore uh, and so I don't know about you but you know some, some, of the, some of the books in the Old Testament are a little bit hard to go through because they've got lots of numbers and, uh, and rules and things that don't seem to have any relevance to how we live today but actually sacrifice is there throughout the Bible and it actually is there even in, at the beginning of Genesis and so, you know, we read in Genesis chapter 4 um, about Cain and Abel offering their sacrifices and how they were received in different ways by God. And even after that, uh, we, we read of a number of uh, different characters like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Noah, David. They all brought their sacrifices to God. And some people would say that, you know, because, because the Bible doesn't actually set in principle what a sacrifice is or indeed how, how it is to be done. But some people say that God himself sets the example um, in Genesis chapter 3 uh, when Adam and Eve have uh, eaten of the fruit that they shouldn't have done. And uh, God clothes them in animal skins. And uh, so some people say that, that, that that's actually the first sacrifice because uh, clearly God has to kill the animal uh, in order to produce the skins. And in some respects, it's, it's almost like a, a foreshadowing of how um, with a blood sacrifice that God covers our sin. And even more than that, um, throughout the ancient civilizations, we find examples of sacrifice. So um, I think I mentioned this the, the last time. Um, that uh, there was a sacrifice that was held in China um, and uh, the, the history records of, uh, of China actually date back to um, about 2700 BC uh, which is about a thousand years before the Old Testament was written down um, and uh, at this ceremony it's called the border sacrifice uh, and it took place um, at uh, what was called the, um, the altar of heaven uh, and this is an example that's in Beijing uh, that was built around about 1500 uh, so that's on my bucket list of uh, places to visit when I get out there um, 
so at the ceremony, the, the emperor act is, acted as the intermediary uh, between um, what the, the Chinese at, at that time uh, worshipped as the one supreme creator god, uh, who they called Shangdi. Um, and um, the, the ceremony would involve fast would involve fasting and prayer and worship, uh, and actually the burnt offering of an unblemished animal uh, in order to cover the sins of the people. That sounds quite familiar, doesn't it? Um, and he would do this every year in December. Um, and so the fact that sacrifice is is so widespread would suggest that it's actually a very important thing for us to understand. Um, and uh, indeed, sacrifice is the way that God has given for us to approach him um, and to be in a relationship or in a covenant with him. Um, now, I think um, if I come back to this, 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 is, a, this is a quote um, from uh, Mikhail Tal, uh, who was a Latvian. Um, and he was uh, the world chess champion in 1960. Uh, and uh, he was renowned for um, making sacrifices on the chessboard all over the place. Um, and he did this, he said, to basically to unsettle uh, the situation. Uh, and maybe I think um, at this time we, we need to think about sacrifice to perhaps unsettle our lives a little bit. And so I want to just unpack um, maybe some of the features of sacrifice. So first of all, sacrifice seals covenant. Now, a, a covenant is an agreement between two parties. Um, and um, what they used to do was that they would make the sacrifice in order to actually ratify uh, that, um, that agreement. And throughout the Old Testament, when, when covenants are made, um, it's uh, recorded as, uh, as this in Hebrew, which is sort of pronounced karat biret. Uh, now, the word karat means to cut, uh, and biret um, means um, the selecting the best, or in this particular case, um, bringing the, the fattest animal or the most perfect animal. Um, and... Uh, that concept actually um, is, is sort of almost encapsulated uh, in this word that I showed you the last time, uh, which is the word for righteousness, which is pronounced yi um, in Chinese. So uh, just as a recap, uh, in, in Chinese characters, uh, they are made up of pictures. Uh, and um, they would bring a lot of pictures together in order to um, produce a concept. Uh, and uh, so this character is actually made up of two different characters. Um, so you've got the first one, uh, which is the bit at the top, um, which uh, if you can sort of um, uh, maybe sort of have a, have a little bit of a play in your mind, um, the, the two, the two uh, bits at the top uh, represent um, the horns of an animal. Um, and then if you sort of extend the middle vertical line down a little bit, it's a bit like the face of a lamb. Okay, So that is actually the, the word for lamb or sheep uh, in Chinese. Um, and the bottom half is the, is the word for me or myself. 
And actually that in itself is also made up of two parts. So you've got the left-hand part, uh, which is the word for hand, and the right-hand part is the word for weapon or knife. And so the idea is that um, we actually, with our own hand, take the knife to sacrifice the sheep and we put it over us to cover our sins because it's only when we have declared ourselves righteous that we can approach God with clean hands and clean lips and actually there are many many um, Chinese characters that seem to suggest um, quite a deep understanding of some of the events of Genesis uh, maybe more about that later. So, uh, so covenant um, was was a really important part of how the ancients used to live, and there was an understanding that there were some really serious consequences um, if you broke that covenant. And so we read in Jeremiah uh, chapter forty, chapter thirty four, verse eighteen. Uh, God says, those who have violated my covenant and have not fulfilled the terms of the covenant they made before me, I will treat like the calf they cut in two and then walked between its pieces. So the way that the covenant was made in, uh, in ancient times was that they would actually take the animal, cut it in half, um, and then the two pieces would be, pe- would be laid apart and um, the, the covenanting parties would walk between uh, those two halves. Um, and the understanding was that if you broke the covenant, then you would become as if you were that sacrifice. So, i.e., you did. Okay. Um, so it was really, really serious. Um, and the breaking of the covenant basically meant death. And we can see um, now that... Um, with Jesus he tells us in uh, Hebrews chapter 10 uh, verses 12 and 14 so, so Jesus as the high priest has offered himself for all time one sacrifice for sins and is now sat at the right hand of God and by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy so now we don't have to follow the rules and regulations of these, uh, of these Old Testament sacrifices because God himself through Jesus has given us one sacrifice for all time but I think sometimes because Jesus has done it all we can perhaps take things for granted we can take God for granted we can take his forgiveness and his mercy for granted. We can take for granted the fact that God wants to be in a relationship with us. And so I think it's still important that we continue to think about sacrifice in order for us to live in the new covenant that Jesus has purchased. And so the thing that I want to think about now is the fact that sacrifice is costly. Um, So as I said at the beginning, the the definition of sacrifice is that we give up something that is of value. 
And when we look at uh, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 24, uh, it tells of um, a situation where David has angered God again. And at that time, uh, Israel was suffering for it. And God tells David um, to go and offer a sacrifice uh, on, th- on the threshing floor of a Jebusite called Arauna. And as David approaches, uh, Arauna says, uh, yeah, just take whatever you want, take whatever you need. Um, you can have it for free. I'm not sure that any of us would probably say that to Charles, but there we are. Um, but David says in verse 24, no, I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. So you see, David understood that whatever he gives to God should cost him something. Because without that, then it's not a sacrifice. And then in Mark chapter 14, we hear about a woman who is actually nameless. And yet Jesus says that wherever the gospel is preached, she will be remembered. And this was the woman uh, who anointed Jesus with an expensive jar of perfume that cost a year's wages, which is quite a lot of money. Does does anybody know what the most expensive bottle of perfume costs? 1.29 million dollars. Yes, I'm sorry, sorry Ruth. (laughs) It's It's not coming for Christmas. Um, but you know it's not just about the financial position because cost can be cost in terms of our emotions or our energy or our mental state Uh, so in 1st Samuel chapter 1 it tells of uh, Hannah now Hannah has uh, not been able to have children and um, she, she agonizes over this and she prays to God to let her have a child um, with the promise that uh, if, if God did this that she would give the child back to him and, uh, and indeed God does give her a child and she's faithful to her, rock, to, to her word um, and she explains to uh, the high priest in verse 27 to 28 I prayed for this child and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him So now I give him back to the Lord. For his whole life, he will be given over to the Lord. Now I'm sure Hannah must have really struggled uh, with having been given what she wanted and then having to give it up. But you know, that child became Samuel. And Samuel was a hugely, hugely important figure in Jewish history. So sacrifices cost and that sort of raises the question for us as to what, what, what have we given to God recently? What, what have we given that costs us in, in, our, in terms of our time or our effort or our resources? Do we, do we give God our best? Do we give him our first fruits? Or maybe we just sort of maybe have a quick prayer uh, in between the the adverts on TV, 
or, or we, we sort of watch a couple of hours of TikTok before reading the Bible. Or maybe we sort of sometimes put off coming to church, not you guys obviously, because we want to lie in. But you know, God is also a gracious God and a very pragmatic God. He doesn't ask us to get into thousands of pounds of debt um, just to you know, bring our offerings to him. So when we look at Leviticus chapter 5 with all of the regulations about the sin offering, he actually prov- gives us provision to bring actually what we can afford. Uh, so you know, it starts off saying we should, we should bring a, uh, a female lamb or a, or, or a goat a year old, but it, but it also says that actually, if if you can't afford that, then just bring a couple of pigeons or a couple of doves. And if you still can't afford that, bring some flour. So God does not expect us to run ourselves ragged uh, in our offering, but He is pleased when we give out of our lack, understanding that all things come from Him. And because all things come from him, then what we should do is to bring a sacrifice of praise. So Hebrews chapter 13 verse 15 says, Through Jesus therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. Now praise is very, very important. It's so important, it was actually, uh, again, foreshadowed uh, in the book of Genesis. Uh, So you know that Jacob, uh, or Israel, had 12 sons. Um, And uh, the the fourth son was Judah. Um, And um, uh, in chapter uh, 49 of Genesis, uh, Israel is about to come to the end of his life, and he decides to bless his sons. And I have to say, he wasn't particularly complimentary about the first three. But of the fourth, of Judah, he says in verse 8, your father's sons, that's, that's your brothers, he couldn't work that out, will bow down to you. So already in Genesis, um, it's, uh, it's, it's foreshadowed that Judah is going to become preeminent uh, amongst the tribes of Israel. And all through the Exodus um, and the wanderings in the desert, uh, it's it's actually um, set out by Moses um, that the men who are assigned to the camp of Judah will set out first. So Judah always went first. Judah's name means praised. So praise always goes first and that's why often you know, more often than not we start out with praise uh, in our services and there are examples of battles that have been won just through praise uh, so in Second Chronicles uh, chapter 20 um, this was a time when the, the Moabites and the Ammonites decided that they would attack Judah and they had a huge army um, and uh, Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah at the time 
uh, and he, he prays to God because it's a bit of a frightening thing to be confronted with a huge army. Uh, and God says, look, don't worry. You're going to have this victory. Uh, and verse 21 to 22 tells us um, that after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And as they began to sing and praise, the, Lord's, um, the Lord set an, uh, ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah and they were defeated so the, 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 the army of Judah actually didn't need to lift a single sword but they won the victory and so we should continue to praise God now why, why is praise uh, named as a sacrifice because actually it's very easy to praise God when you're when things are going well but praise is a sacrifice because often things don't go well you know we don't have the, the, the comf- comfortable life um, that uh, perhaps sometimes when we become Christians we're, we're sold because there is, there's the cost of living crisis. There, there are people that are choosing between heating their homes and feeding their families. Maybe, maybe you're, you're feeling ill. Maybe you have some problems with relationships. Um, maybe you've lost or are losing a loved one. Times are hard and we go through difficulties but praise is a sacrifice because even in those circumstances we should still continue to praise God and it is a choice we can choose to do so because praise is not about how it makes us feel it's not about giving us a warm fuzzy feeling praise is there because we worship a God who is great who is supreme and if you go back to to Hebrews chapter 13 uh, verse 15 it says to continually offer our praise the fruit of lips that profess his name so praise is not just for Sundays it's not just when we meet we need to profess the name of Jesus whenever opportunity arises and that can be to our family or our friends, our colleagues or our neighbours and that might make us uncomfortable that might be our sacrifice that we actually step up and profess the name of Jesus to them because it's all about bringing honour and glory to our God And it may be that actually we, what we need to do is to recognize that we, we are nothing. And therefore, sacrifice is also a sacrifice of humility. Now, throughout the Bible, we know that God 
has regard for those who are humble and he opposes the proud so is a selection of verses um, that, that talk about that so we have second samuel chapter 22 verse 28 says you save the humble but your eyes are on the haughty to bring them low psalm 147 verse 6 says the lord sustains the humble but casts the wicked to the ground proverbs 3 34 he mocks the he mocks proud mockers but shows favor to the humble and oppressed and matthew 23 verse 12 says for those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted humility stems from the fact that we are nothing and we bring nothing to god so in verse 51 uh, in, in psalm 51 uh, this is um, a psalm that David has written and it's after he's been challenged uh, by the prophet Nathan uh, over the affair with Bathsheba um, and the fact that he then had her husband Uriah killed and David recognises that he has done wrong and we need to recognise that we have done wrong and come to God in humility we recognise that we have been separated and that actually we deserve death and that there's nothing that we can do to make ourselves righteous but we recognise that all that we have and all of who we are comes from God there's a, there's a very, very sad one liner um, about pride um, you know, there's lots of there's lots of one lines about about pride, but there's actually a really really sad one in Nehemiah chapter three. Now Nehemiah uh, was the the man who was tasked with rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem um, when the exiles returned. Um, and uh, in chapter three, it describes the rebuilding of the walls and how different people uh, repaired different sections of the wall. Um, and verse 5 says the next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa but their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors see the nobles thought that they were too good to get their hands dirty they were too proud and that would have put more pressure on those who actually did the work and not only that uh, in verse 27 it actually says that the men of Tekoa repaired a second section of the wall and there are no other groups that are recorded as repairing two sections of the wall and I think maybe the men of Tekoa felt shamed that their nobles would not join in are we like the nobles of Tekoa in certain places because you know there is plenty of work to be done the Bible says the work is plenty plentiful but the labourers are few there's lots out there to do there's lots in here to do are we are we like the men or like the nobles of Tekoa and this really comes down to having a sacrifice of obedience 
So in verse uh, in in First Samuel chapter fifteen, it uh, it actually describes the the rejection of Saul as the king of Israel. Um, now Saul had been tasked by God to utterly destroy the Amalekites, which included the people and all the animals. But Saul didn't do that. So he actually captured King Agag alive and took, took the best animals under the pretext that he was going to offer them uh, to God as an, as an offering. So Saul didn't get it quite right. But you might say, well, but, but he was thinking about God. Surely that must count for something. But I think actually when you read the story, Saul was making a very quick excuse for doing what he'd done. And it raises the question, what, what, what are the excuses that we make? What are even the, the spiritual excuses that we make for doing things or not doing things? You know, we often hear things like, God has told me, or maybe God hasn't told me, or maybe, well, that's not my gifting. So what is it that God is asking us to do or asking us not to do? So when Saul sort of says, well, I'm going to offer this, um, uh, these animals, Samuel's response to him is, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. We need to obey what God has said. So just in summary, God wants to be in covenant with us. God wants to be in relationship with us. And sacrifice seals that covenant. And it's costly. I think the example that Jesus sets us, you know, of the ultimate sacrifice, shows us that. And we should bring a sacrifice of praise because of what he has done. And live in the example of his humility and obedience.